This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. Welcome to today's episode of the Indesa Members Memo. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the Executive Director for Indesa, and we're so happy to have you join us. And this week, we get the privilege of interviewing Alan Johnson, known as AJ in the industry, from Psychomedics Hair Testing. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. I did not ask you for your bio because I thought I would start off by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do for psychomedics, how long you've been in the industry, and that type of thing. Um, so, so I guess it, it, it depends on what part of the industry you're talking about. So in terms of the technology, I've been around the technology for a long, long time and, and um, probably longer than what we want to talk about here. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and then uh, you know prior to that I uh, spent a career actually at Hewlett Packard uh, before before then, uh, and in um, uh, a couple of places as a research director research analyst since then. So uh, I've kind of been around for a long time. Uh, military brat, so kind of lived a lot of different places growing up. Had a lot of experiences around the around the country on different uh, military bases, which shapes my thinking a little bit. And uh, one of the things that really shapes my thinking around is. Uh, you, you've got to keep uh, you've got to keep people's minds in the right place. You've got to keep people healthy. You've got to have people that can work as teams. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, I mean, in this business, I think about those things every day. Sure. And so now you're with Psychomedics. How long have you been with with that group? You know, it's gone on about um, two and a half years, I think, um, okay. with Psychomedics. And, and I think, as you know, or may not know, we we actually are headquartered in Acton, Massachusetts, but we are, our laboratory is in Culver City, California. So. We're, we're uh, distributed that way, all of our uh, R&D and technologists and, and chemists and, and staff, lab staff are in, in Culver City. That's where the bulk of the people are. Okay, you've got it coast to coast then. <laughs> right next to LAX. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. So um, we have had some conversations over the last, uh, gosh, coming up on two years now on some of the things that you all are doing at Psychomedics. And every single time I talk to you, I'm just blown away and um, I, I'm so excited that we started a podcast and I have a chance to share what y'all are doing with our broader audience because you just are always innovating and doing something very cutting edge. And I want to start off by saying um, when COVID hit in, in, I shouldn't say in our industry, when COVID hit in the U.S. and people were really questioning the safety of the, all of the modes of drug testing, I reached out um, to all of the hair labs and said, can you get me some statements and something on um, you know, hair testing and, and safe protocols and what that's gonna look like in COVID. And you guys had something to me within probably 15 minutes. And I so appreciate your, it. That's how it always is. Um, you guys step up, you respond and what you put out there. It's already been handled it's already been you know professionally responded to and you're like well we put out this statement here it is bam there you go um but you you provided resources um that we put on our COVID page on indesa and um thank you for always being that that resource for the industry because it it means more coming from you than it does from me Right. You know, it, you know, it's interesting you said that because, uh, you know, Charlie Dusso, who's our executive vice president, he and I talk about you guys a lot. And mm-hmm. DASA uh, um, has become sort of our favorite go-to 
organization when there's questions that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's funny you said that because a lot of the things that we prepare for your membership make a lot more sense when they come from you than from us. And so <laughs> and we appreciate you distributing uh, those things for us. And, and um, as, as you, you just mentioned the, uh, the, the COVID thing and that we had some things ready to go right away. We've been thinking about that actually. Um, when, it, when it first broke, uh, we got together as a group and the first question was, what is this going to do to how people cope? Um, and, and we, and that, I think when we sent you the paper that we'd put together on that, mm-hmm. um, it was interesting, you know, we, 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 uh, um, and not to hijack your podcast, but I'll, no, I'll, this is great. So, so <laughs> it was, it was really interesting because what we thought was we could learn more from the past than we could from the current state. And so we, we did, we went back and looked at how do people cope, um, with, with periods of extended stress and trauma right. and, and, and what happens and what happens to their psyches and how do they get through the day and all that. And we actually looked at three, what I'll call watershed events. And we had just finished that work when you had sent us the note actually. So it was, mm-hmm. when you say 15 minutes, we probably had let the ink on this computer screen probably wasn't quite dry when you sent the note to us. <laughs> and, um, that's one of your members calling to say, get this guy off of here. He's getting ready to tell us a story. I have to shut the volume off. Sorry. <laughs> So, so anyway, um, yeah, we've been thinking. So we look back at history, and and I was raised during the Vietnam era, so that's where I started. You know, I, I, my dad was military, and 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 we lived on bases, and so that was first in my my mind. It was that was a watershed event. So we looked at that. We looked at a couple of other events. We looked at um, uh, the nine eleven disaster, and then we looked at uh, Hurricane Katrina because those were three things that happened, or that you know, in, in, in three different kinds of groups of people. Uh, we wanted to see how they behaved. And so we literally had gone and done some research and found research by the Department of Defense um, and by the National Institutes of Health mm-hmm. and by the Louisiana Hospital Board. And the common theme that rolled through all the research that we looked at for how soldiers would cope and how, uh, you know, the population coped when there was that kind of an event, two, two things jumped out at us. One was uh, self-medicating took place almost immediately. So, Absolutely. I was going to ask you if I could guess, but I decided to let you finish. Yeah. Not a surprise. Yeah, so, yep. uh, for soldiers on the battlefield, I forget the percentage. It was really high. It was over half uh, when they came off the battlefield and, and they were in the camps or they got they got liberty, whatever you want to call it. They self-medicated in Vietnam. It was, you know, it was heroin and marijuana and opium. Um, when you looked at the New York City disaster, the 9-11, there was an extreme visceral reaction of the population in New York City. There was, and the research study that was sponsored by National Institutes of Health found two things that really jumped out at us. And the first was that people in the immediate vicinity, in other words, New York City itself, uh, exhibited signs of, of uh, a PTSD, you know, which you normally mm-hmm. associate with soldiers, but uh, PTSD. Now, they also noticed at the same time that when they surveyed these people, the incidence of increases in use of substances went up. Wow. It came back about, uh, I think it was three months later, similar study. I think it was a, the national or the New York Academy of Medicine or Science, I can't remember, um, and did the same survey. And what they found was PTSD had returned to normal levels, stress had returned to normal levels, but guess what stayed elevated? Substance abuse. Wow. Uh, same thing happened with Hurricane Katrina. Uh, the hospital board uh, in Louisiana reported 30% increase in cases, overdose cases in emergency rooms, admissions in, in, in emergency rooms Goodness. during and immediately after Katrina. 
Mm-hmm. And the demographics changed a bit even. I mean, the, 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 there was a broader uh, swath of people that were having those issues. Mm-hmm. So we looked at that. And then we looked at, you know, kind of, um, you know, w- what happens in the aftermath. And, and literally, when we started really looking into it and looking at, for example, things like labor pool numbers, and uh, I think the, 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 uh, the accepted number for uh, drug users in, in, that are employed is around 70%. You hear that number thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you start doing the math, uh, you started finding it fairly significantly, you were going to find 15, 20 million people uh, that either had uh, exacerbated or continuing or a new behavior developed during COVID, substance abuse. And that is exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, and and so I was going to say, so we looked ahead on that and said, so what what would we expect to see then, you know, based on that? Well, you and I both know, we've been around doing this kind of stuff for a while. People are people. People generally react the same way, if not 100 times out of 100, pretty darn close. Right. Uh, and, and so we figured, well, what's different about COVID and, and really nothing. You've got this fear, you've got this uncertainty, you've got this sort of, I don't want to call it mass hysteria, but for sure mass awareness that something's going on um, and, and people are taken out of their normal routines. I think it was the Betty Ford Center director that said a few years ago that substance abuse is, a, is an outcome of isolation. And so yeah. when people are isolated, um, one of the things that they tend to do is abuse some sort of substance of choice uh, to get past the isolation. Well, as we all know, we've been pretty isolated and, and a lot of people more, are more prone to, to react to that than others. So, so we really did think that given that, um, we were recommending to our, to our workplace uh, clients and even uh, the educators that were calling us because we have a large base of educators that, that test with us, um, that they, they'd be more diligent with their testing rather than less. Uh, as people were trying returning uh, because extended periods isolated that sort of thing exactly and, and, and then we started saying and then we, we started getting the question well, what should we be testing for well obviously the same stuff you've been testing for but you know there are a couple of new entrants that were starting to spike before covid um on, on in our data uh, and data from our partner companies that uh, that utilize that our testing and you can see it in the press and those were and, and the dea and when you look at the dea annual threat assessment and those were the stimulants. The stimulants were starting to spike uh, prior to COVID. Right. So you had the methamphetamines and cocaine that were starting to move up. Obviously, we've been seeing opioids tail off a bit as, as, as fewer prescriptions have been written. But those are the ones that are prescribed opioids. Those right. are not the illicit ones. Those are not the synthetics. <laughs> so we said, what's going on with the synthetics? And we started looking into that. And so really what we said to people is you need to start thinking about testing for fentanyl. You need to start, you need to continue your testing at, uh, at current levels for methamphetamines and cocaine. And then there was a, a couple of new entrants that were getting really popular with, um, demographically with young people, uh, teenagers and young people, and those were benzodiazepines. And you looked oh, wow. at things like Xanax as an example. Uh, and the danger there was, and in fact, here's a number for you. Um, I think it's uh, National Institutes of Health here or NIDA, I can't remember, but about 30% of all opioid overdoses uh, include benzodiazepines. So uh, people that are poly users, as an example, using more than one drug. And if you think about it, why why is that significant? Well, it's significant because uh, benzos and opioids are both depressants. And so you end up with a 
heart rate that gets slowed down and metabolism right. gets slowed down. So you, you get those, those effects and those are really. And they get combined with alcohol. And I, the first thing that comes to my mind is Xanax. <clears throat> you know, we have so many accidental deaths. And what I always think of is um, Thomas Kincaid. When I think of that uh, Xanax glass of wine, um, you know, that he was the, <clears throat> for those of you who don't recognize that name, the painter of light who has all these beautiful paintings and just a gift to the world and then um, accidental overdose death. And a lot of times that's that Xanax um, lethal, Xanax alcohol combo from someone who's struggling from anxiety and they forget about the label warning on that pill bottle every time they get it from the pharmacist that says do not combine with alcohol. It's just very common um, and so sad and, and so often accidental, you know. But um, yeah, in this time with isolation and people are anxious, not just over COVID, but, you know, it's been a, a rough election year. Um, right. and, and so that's driving up anxiety with uh, even the racial tensions that we've seen. And um, there's so many things happening in our, in our universe right now that are um, just people don't know how to cope with that. And so they turn to this, well, this will calm me down or this will just give me a break or whatever. And uh, it's, yeah, but what I found um, interesting in what you just said is that when the event ends, the substance use doesn't end. And so then you have this ongoing, and that's so important for employers to understand. And I'm so glad you brought up schools for school administrators to understand um, because kids today have not only incredible access um, to these things, but they get social media messaging like crazy and we, we have a tendency, I mean, I know I did as a parent to think, oh, my kid won't do that. They will, you know, they're just innocent children. They, they just want to get together and play soccer with their friends or whatever. But the reality of it is um, they are little miniature adults these days. And when laws change or world events happen or whatever, um, I'm not saying they always learn the behavior from the parents because that's certainly not true. Um, but when they see inability to cope around them, uh, and they don't have coping skills and or we have socially normed these behaviors, um, they, by and large, just think, well, this is what you do. This is how you handle it. You know, and it's interesting, you talk about the young, the young, young kids too, and those are, those are a big, you know, our business is twofold, really. I mean, workplace testing, we're talking about lowering risk in the, work, in the, in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Our education business, uh, a guy named Will Elder uh, runs that business for us. And he and I talk a lot. And, and that business is literally about saving lives. Sure. So that, that, that part of our business is how do you save a life or how do you ensure a future? And, and they're at that age where you're, that's, that's really the motivator uh, for us as we, as we innovate some of these new. And you, you and I talked about vaping here a couple of weeks ago. Yes. I was and just uh, going to ask you to talk about vaping. So make sure you mention that. I just did. It's actually pretty interesting. If, if, you, um, if you look at vaping, it's, you know, we used to say it's become an epidemic with, with mm -hmm. teens. It's actually beyond the become an epidemic part right. now. It's actually an epidemic. So yes. uh, if you look at the numbers, you know, the, and these are numbers that are, uh, there's the an annual, uh, what is it, monitoring the future survey. Yes, monitoring the future. A healthy and, kid survey, yeah, monitoring the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a great, it's just like the DEA annual threat assessment is a great go-to resource for anybody like you or me. Mm -hmm. The monitoring the future study is, a, is really a good one for, for people to, to, to look at as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, they continue to see spiking uh, in, in vaping. And the thing that's kind of troubling is 
uh, two things that really trouble us about it. First is that, you know, I think it was last year, um, vaping of THC was actually, actually grew at the second fastest rate of any substance in the history of the survey. And that, that survey goes back 40 odd years, I think. Yes. Yeah. So this is not just recent. This is, this is measuring against things that have been tested and, and surveyed for years and years. So uh, that, that's something to watch. And the other thing to watch is the, the oils. And um, I, I read a note, uh, this again came out of the DEA, uh, one of the, uh, the regional office uh, direct, directors of the DEA. And, and, he, and he said that the concerning thing is when drug cartels start putting fentanyl into vaping oils, mm-hmm. they're very concerned about what that's going to do to kids. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the, the cartels have already dis- discovered that they can counterfeit uh, pills like Percocet and Xanax that teens especially use as party drugs. You know, you mentioned this whole thing about teens and making decisions. Xanax has really worked its way into the popular culture for that younger demographic. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent me a rap song, I guess you, what you call it, um, that ta- that was talking about all these great things with Xanax, and and um, and so there's some there's a the, kind of a uh, a little dark dark uh, uh, thread of of music that sort of glorifies the stuff, and and um, obviously not healthy. So something that parents need to pay attention to, something right. that your client base, uh, your membership needs to pay attention needs to. Needs to pay attention to and know and yeah understand and. Um, yeah, one thing that I appreciate about what you guys are doing is you do a lot of work in schools. You educate um, school administrators and parents about youth drug use, but you've created a panel that that is about the the addressing the vaping issue. Tell us about that because that was one of the things that just um, blew me away when you guys told me about that a, a while back. Yeah, so you know, and it, and, and this is one where you didn't so much have to create something new, you, you repurposed something that we had developed to, to quickly respond to a request and a need. And, uh, and, and so we had done uh, a, a to be played later webinar. We haven't, we haven't finished the, uh, the work on it yet uh, with three uh, headmasters of, of the most prestigious, probably private schools in the country. And, and they were very concerned about vaping. And it's a topic that they all talk about when they get on the phone together and all that. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten requests over the course of the past year or so is there something you could do to help us deter teens from vaping? And so we've always said, you know, if you're going to deter somebody from anything, let them know they're going to get caught. And that helps them make a better decision. And it, it applies in the workplace just the same as it applies on a campus. And so, um, so we came up with a, a panel that effectively tests for the most frequently vaped substances. And, and so um, it's not so much that, that you're, that you're testing for vaping, you're testing for what people are vaping. And, right. um, and so this one is, uh, you're going to test my, I got to remember now what we put in it, but it's three, uh, it's the three most, it's THC and nicotine. Uh, I, can't remember the, I think it is. And I can't remember the other yeah. one. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. THC, nicotine, and I'm trying to remember what the third one was, but yeah. Um, and it is, it is what they're dropping in because they're vaping everything now. So, you know, I've talked to some groups of parents who say, well, my kid says they're only, they're only vaping for the flavor juices because they like the bubble gum or the strawberry or the whatever. And I said, they're lying. (laughs) Nobody vapes for the flavor. (laughs) And this is the part that really is, is, is amazing to me that it's lost on people. So, so a vaping device is effective. It's a vaporizer. That's where the name comes from. Mm -hmm. So if you can vaporize something, 
you can ingest it with a vapor, uh, yes. with a vaping device. And so there's this really, there's some limits, but not super, you're not super limited to what you can put on a vaping device or what mm -hmm. somebody can sell you to put into a vaping device. And that's why it's, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. Now, here's another interesting thing. And another reason that we want to help kids stay away from vaping. Think about COVID. Mm -hmm. I forget the number. I think it's five times. Uh, people that vape are, I think it's five times more prone to contract COVID. Is, exactly correct. It, it, yeah. it um, compromises the lungs. And so they're, we, they have weakened lung function, so they're more prone to contract and um, have more difficulty recovering, and it has caused some fatalities amongst young people. Um, when we talk about that, that there are usually mitigating factors when you have a young person who doesn't survive this virus, um, vaping is way high up there on the list. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mitigating health factors, lung diseases, uh, you know, obesity is a factor. There's all these other things, but um, oh yeah, vaping is the big one. So yeah, it's it it is actually um, in in my opinion that is big tobacco 2.0. But instead of selling flavored cigarettes to kids, um, getting them hooked through candy cigarettes and then flavored cigarettes, um, we've just we've flipped it over to vaping and America goes, Oh, this is great. Let's, you know, let's let our kids do vaping because it's safe and there's nothing safe about it. No, no, um, there, there, is, there is nothing safe about it um, yeah. at all. And it's not mm -hmm. even, and I was telling one of the kids the other day that I had to run into in the neighborhood in, in, a, in a golf cart with his vaping thing going, mm -hmm. you know, and I told him, I said, you know, you 15 years old in a golf cart, you look a little silly and riding around, but you look stupid with that thing in your mouth. So, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. And he's actually a son of a friend, so I can tell mm -hmm. him that. But, sure. but the, the point is, um, it, it isn't safe, and we needed to come up with some way to help the jury. You know, we, we, what, we, what we talk about, too, by the way, and this is something we talk about internally a lot, if, if you're designing a drug program, if you're designing a, a drug testing program, your objective setting out should never be to define a program or to design a program to catch drug users. Exactly. The best drug programs deter drug usage. You yes. Know? And, and promote health and safety. And I was just going to say that. It's so funny. We're, our minds are tracking just along the same lines as we're talking. One of the things that, one of the reasons that we connect so well and we always have such great conversations is because both of our organizations are deeply mission driven with yeah. values for safety, for health, for saving lives. And we get that on this really deep level. And in fact, I love that about our whole industry. Um, if anybody just drops into drug testing thinking I'm going to get rich and, and move on, um, boy, that is not what this is about <laughs> at all. It's, it's, it's very mission-centric, and our members, um, every one of them has some story or another of why I do this. They know their why, and, and it really is about saving lives. Um, so I want to, and I, I appreciate that about you guys tremendously i mean i know there's times we, we just inspire each other and we're we get off our calls and we're like oh let's go change the world you know <laughs> but, um I, we just did public comments on the proposed hair test rules let's um not neglect it we don't have to spend a lot of time on it but um the proposed hair test came, rules came out for um federal drug testing and they were pretty atrocious and um I've mentioned it on this podcast multitudes of times, so I'm not saying anything that I haven't already said before. Lots of problems with that. 
again, thank you for the input that you gave so that we could make, um, you know, scientifically valid <laughs> um, researched um, comments on, on those rules from our membership, as, as did uh, the other hair test labs, for sure. Um, we did a little collaborative and, and we all went in together and, and did some good things. Um, do you think our comments will have much of a, a change in that outcome? How do you see that going? And I don't even know if you're the right person to ask. It's just a curious question. Oh, you can ask me that because I've got strong opinions on that whole thing. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and, 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 and you know, and it's, it's one of these things. This is where I come at that, that whole conversation. You know, we did a, we did a, I don't know if you, I don't know if you attended, I don't know if you were there, but we did a, a webinar about two months ago and we actually, I broke it in chapters. It's on our website. I'll send you some links to it. You can share with the members if you want. Okay. And it was with um, uh, the VPs of safety from KLLM trucking, us express and Maverick transportation, three solid, solid trucking firms. Uh, those guys and JB Hunt are all members of something called the trucking Alliance, which is mm -hmm. uh, the guys that have really been advocating for um, improving the drug testing standards in, in, uh, in, in their view. Uh, for for trucking, so they've all obviously commented on this um, mm -hmm. proposed uh, regulations because one of the constituents it's not just federally it's not just federal employees that are impacted here it's also companies that are regulated by a federal a federal agency like DOT. That's right, right. So, the Secret Service, TSA, uh, you name it. There's like what twenty of them or so. Yeah, and the yeah. thing that was really interesting to me, and I happened to talk to a couple of the guys when this all came out, um, when was the last time you saw an industry that's regulated by the government say to the government, we want you to tighten the regulations on our industry? Right. And that's what the trucking guys were saying. We want you to tighten those regulations because we're so concerned about public safety. Mm -hmm. Public safety is what drives them, by the way. That's right. Um, yes, they, they need to be profitable companies, and yes, they need to mitigate risk, in the, in, but they all drive on the same highways that you and I do. They have kids that drive on those highways and they'll talk about that. And those That's are concerns of theirs. We don't want somebody who may or who may be slipped under the radar mm -hmm. um, to get into the cab of a truck, a 70 ton vehicle or whatever that is going down the highway, 70, 80 miles an hour, whatever that thing weighs. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see that happen. So right. my view on this thing with uh, SAMHSA, if, or the HHS proposed regulations, if they don't step back and take a relook at what they're proposing, mm -hmm. they're deaf because they're not listening to the people that's, that are trying to actually ensure public safety, right. even at an additional cost to their business. And, and yes. uh, that, that's, what, that's what blows me away. You've got these companies that are saying, we'll take on the act. We don't want to take it on, but we're going to do it. Right, because, because we're, it's, we're it's not, yeah, it's not something that's being imposed upon them by the federal government. It is the industry, the trucking industry saying, please give us better tools. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, really, really fascinating to see the outcome of that. But I hope those improvements are made to what was proposed. There were things like, you know, if someone tests positive, they have to admit um, that they use drugs before that result is valid or it has to be backed up by an oral fluid or a urine test, which is a di completely different metabolite test with those, those substances are not in the system as long, you know, all of these things. It was crazy, crazy. But um, so well, who knows? And I'll, and I'll go way out of the limb here with you, Joe, and I'll say mm -hmm. if, we, if we go ask, I don't know, 10 drug users if they're using drugs at work or before they came to work, most of them are going to say no. Yeah. I'm, 
we're probably way out on a limb saying that because we're people <laughs> truthful and so yeah of course i did that's how i get through today <laughs> right right well yeah in this in the changing culture of like marijuana legalization and drug uh, decriminalization like oregon just did some people are very proud of it these days but but usually i mean the reason we have to do drug testing is because they conceal and hide and you know pretend and don't self-admit they have a problem or whatever so uh yeah we so that's definitely big news in our industry and we'll see what happens next with that but um, I do appreciate, uh, again, that you guys um, helped provide some, some uh, input and guidance there. Uh, you know, we have so many things coming up. We're going to try to be uh, doing a webinar together for 2021. I am doing a webinar on vaping in December, and um, we may drop you guys in. We're still looking at that date for you all. But um, we have a lot of things on the table that we're, we're going to be um, working on together as well as, um, and this is a little insider baseball, but we, we're talking about doing a hair testing training, um, so an Indesa certification so that people are trained properly in hair testing because there's some horror stories out there of folks cutting the hair in the middle, you know, like a long a hair of a head of long hair, cutting it in the middle, sending it to court. And then it looks like someone was doing drugs when they weren't for, you know, the last year, but it's, what is it a month per quarter inch? Is that still the, the half thing? Inch. Yeah. Half every, inch. yeah, every half inch is, uh, is 30 days. Mm -hmm. So you cut the hair, you know, four or six inches below and someone goes, you know, loses their kids or goes back in the criminal justice system or whatever. So um, cut that hair close to the scalp as close as possible, right? And uh, and uh, I know you guys have some processes and procedures that, that we'd like to make sure that we include in that training. So we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up that we're working on and Hope to see you at our conference in the spring. Uh, hopefully we get to do that live. COVID is spiking right now. Hopefully it'll drop back down and we'll all be able to be together. <laughs> now we'll be, uh, however the conference takes place, we'll definitely be part of it. So Sounds we're, good. We're, we're looking forward to that and looking forward to, to meeting uh, either virtually or in person some yeah. of the membership that we haven't uh we, we haven't met before so yeah oh yeah we got a great group well thank you so much for your time i really do appreciate it um, i you've been a little bit under the weather and you were so gracious to take time out of today when you should have your feet up and <laughs> you know be taking a nap but um it's been exciting once again to speak with you and i just want to say if any of our members have any questions about hair testing for aj um you can email Email me at Joe McGuire at Indesa.com and I will pass those on and connect you with him. And uh, you can always go to the Psychomedics website. Is it just Psychomedics.com? Yeah, it is. And there are some some particular spots inside the website that are that I, I probably need to provide URLs to people where we've stored some videos and things that people. I, I'll get those to you and you can great. distribute them if you want. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. I really appreciate you being a part of this and um, maybe we've got so much to talk about that maybe we'll do it again sometime. Oh gosh. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Indesa members memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.